AFIO Now is presented by Northwest Financial Advisors, where our world revolves around you. Hello, everyone. This is Jim Hughes with AFIO Now. We are a program of recorded interviews with former U.S. intelligence officers and those who write about them. My guest today has done both. Her name is Brittany Butler. She is an experienced targeting officer, having served in the CIA for about nine years in the Director of Operations Counterterrorism Center, both at headquarters and on extended temporary duty overseas in the Middle East. Brittany has a brand new book out. It's called The Syndicate Spy. Brittany, welcome to AFIO Now. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. What's the book about? So when I left the CIA, I felt really passionate about changing the narrative about female spies. I feel like to a large extent, we've kind of been personified as these sexual dominatrixes that only use our bodies in exchange for information. And I really wanted to change that narrative, especially when it comes to operating in the Middle East. I think that we have an even more difficult time as female intelligence officers and kind of building rapport with the source, you know, building trust, things of that nature, and an environment when we're not seen as uh, equal to men. And so I really wanted to create a story that showcased what it was really like to be a female intelligence officer. And so in the book, the book is set um, at a time when the Earth's oil reserves have been depleted. There's this conglomerate of allied intelligence agencies called the Syndicate. And the there's a, an operative. Um, her name is Juliet Arroway. She's a syndicate operative, and she's charged with hunting down and eradicating energy terrorists. And she partners with a woman who happens to be the estranged daughter of the king of Saudi Arabia. And together, they they work together to recruit sources and um hunt down these energy terrorists to put an end to a global energy war. And so I I wanted to create, you know, I wanted to not only change the narrative about American female intelligence officers, but I also wanted to showcase a really powerful Arab woman. I was really impressed by the Arab women that I worked with in the Middle East. And then after I left the CIA in 2014, I worked with an organization called Women for Afghan Women. And there I encountered some really powerful, resilient women that, you know, had survived decades of civil war and unrest and discrimination, and they refused to be victimized. And I thought, gosh, I would love to showcase both an American female intelligence officer and a really powerful Arab woman and how they work together to overcome cultural differences, religious differences, to put an end to a war. So that's kind of what the book is about. In searching for material for your book, did you draw upon any of your experiences? Absolutely. I mean, you know, having worked in the Middle East as an American woman, I encountered all sorts of obstacles when it came to meeting with terrorists, debriefing detainees. I feel like I had to work a lot harder um, and to a large extent than my male counterparts. I had to, I encountered all the same um, what I like to call moral dilemmas in espionage and that you are, you know, in recruiting sources and running operations overseas, you are dealing with human beings and you're, you're, you know, you have their hand, their, their life is in your hand and you are trying to teach them how to not get caught basically. And, you know, conducting espionage operations and, and spying for the United States so you're having you're you're dealing with that and you're you're up against this moral dilemma of oh my gosh if something happens to them or if their life is in danger can I really protect them 
more oftentimes than not, the answer is you cannot protect them because it's really up to them to protect themselves and to be smart about their tradecraft and how they conduct themselves and collecting information. So, you know, grappling with all of that was very challenging, of course, but then doing it again in an environment where my male counterparts did not see me as their equal. And you know, to a large extent, the the men that I was talking with were Sunni extremists, and they adhered to Sharia law and things of that nature. And so, you know, talking to a, a female was really off putting to them, particularly a, a, a American female with green eyes and blonde hair. And um, you know, so I had to work really hard to, you know, not only develop rapport but also develop a trust with them um, and and establish my authority as the authority on you know, whatever terrorist organization that we're looking to dismantle or disrupt, you know, making sure that the individual I was meeting with knew that I knew everything there was to know about them. I found that that was the best way to really connect with these, uh, you know, either a detainee or a potential source or developmental and let them know that I really knew everything there was to know about them. And I could, depict what they were telling me in terms of what was the truth and, you know, maybe something that was exaggerated in terms of access. Um, I really understood about the terrorist network because as a targeting officer, you're not only responsible for, you know, helping to pinpoint, you know, sources um, in terms of their access and assessing them for potential recruitment operations, but I was also in charge of you know, understanding the terrorist network and how it operated and how things worked. And so I think that I wanted to incorporate a lot of those challenges into my novel and what that really felt like as a female operating in a really foreign world, something, you know, an environment really different from my, from our own where we're not treated as equals. And so, um, yeah, I absolutely drew from my experience in working um, and living abroad and I wanted to give my readers a glimpse into what that world's really like. Brittany, you touched upon it briefly. And of course, for those of us who grew up in the service, we're very familiar with what a targeting officer does. Sure. You know, amongst our broader audience, there are academics and others who are not uh, members of the intelligence community. Could you elaborate just a little bit more on the role of a targeting officer? Sure. Um, so that position has kind of morphed over the years. So when I first started out in the Counterterrorism Center and Iraq Division, I was doing targeting in terms of identifying high-value targets for potential capture or kill operations in support of our our special forces operations in, in Iraq. And so, you know, I did a good deal of analysis and going through tons of intel reports using different tools and methodologies that we use in targeting to pinpoint those high value targets for our operations, our counterterrorism operations in places like Iraq, Afghanistan. And I helped to support that in, in, that, in that way. And then when I moved to Pakistan, Afghanistan division, I started to do more targeting work in terms of pinpointing individuals for potential recruitment operations. So I helped to identify, okay, this individual has access to these targets of interest and these, and I also kind of laid out for our um, operations officers in the field, you know, these are some of the vulnerabilities that we might be able to use to our advantage in terms of recruiting a potential source or even meeting with a detainee that could become a developmental 
eventually pinpointing why I might think that he would be a good source for our efforts, our counterterrorism efforts in Afghanistan. So so two different kind of roles. You, I did kind of targeting for kill capture operations, and then I also did targeting for recruitment operations. So it's kind of like a hybrid position between Langley and our stations and bases overseas. Brittany, during your time at CIA and then uh, working with the NGO afterwards, how have you seen things evolve for women in the Middle East and also women at CIA? So I think it's it's really sad, you know, what's happened in Afghanistan with the Taliban taking back over. I think it's been really difficult for a lot of us who are intelligence officers that worked in that area of operations to see kind of the progress made and see kind of, you know, things go back to where they were before we were in Afghanistan. You know, now women in the in Afghanistan can't go beyond secondary school. So it's, it's not allowed. And that was something that I think the United States and our allies and the Afghan people worked really hard to overcome, you know, those type of restrictions on women in Afghanistan. And so it's it's really disheartening to see, you know, things kind of uh, go back to way, the way they were before we entered into Afghanistan. As far as women at the CIA, I think that we still have a lot to overcome and a lot to do there. I think that there has, um, there's been amazing progress made in terms of, you know, a, fo- a renewed focus on mental health for our operations officers working in really high stress environments uh, like the war zones. But I think we have a lot of work to do in terms of supporting, um, you know, females doing that type of work. I think to a large extent, it's hard to juggle both, you know, if you want to have a family, and this applies to men as well, and doing the the work of an operations officer because the hours are long. You are, um, you know, pulled constantly overseas to support our operations, and I it, it was hard for me at least to find a balance between doing that work to the full extent that I wanted to do it and supporting our our objectives overseas and being the kind of mother that I wanted to be. So I think if, you know, maybe if there was a working group or something that, you know, the CIA um, could put together in terms of like, let's let's try to develop some policies um, to support our um, our mothers and our fathers trying to work out a better work-life balance And, you know, so that women especially can assume the leadership positions that they deserve, I think, to a large extent, you know, because more, you know, naturally kind of falls on the female as carrying the child and, you know, being really critical in those first few months of a of a baby's life. Your your career kind of has to take a backseat because you have to take those months off from work. And so when you come back into the workforce, you're kind of you're grappling with, okay, overcoming the time that you spent away. But then also, whenever I was at the CIA, you had to do, you know, at least one PCS in the war zones. And of course, as a mother, that it's very hard to juggle that. It's very hard to leave your family, leave your children and do that type of work. And that was essential in order to progress in your in your career. And I don't know what the right answer is to that because I know the value and the importance of spending time in the field. But I also think that there needs to be a little bit more attention within um within the organization in terms of finding the right, um, you know, ways to support mothers and fathers, trying to find that, that a better balance. Brittany, as I mentioned to you off camera, part of our audience is an academic audience, particularly college and university students. What advice would you have for young people, 
particularly young women considering uh, a career in U.S. intelligence? So I think this, again, I think this kind of applies to both men and women um, in terms of just knowing your limitations, knowing how you handle stress. I think, you know, especially if you want a career in operations, I'm sure that you would agree with this. It, it can be very strenuous. And, um, you know, you have to know, you know, whether it's, um, you know, taking mental health breaks or it's working out after before or after work or finding a way to really grapple with the intensity of the profession. It can it can really take a toll on your mental health, your physical health, and you need to make sure that you really take care of yourself while doing this extremely demanding work. So I, I would think that, you know, a, a woman, a man, um, you know, a young person getting into this line of work, knowing your limitations, working out whatever whatever it is works for you in terms of how do you handle stress in your life and what are some healthy ways to combat that stress. I think that, um, you know, after working in the, that environment, that's probably the key takeaway um, that I learned through all of that is, is finding, um, finding ways to deal with stress. Also know that, you know, especially working in director of operations, you are going to be required to go overseas. And you are, you know, especially if you're, you know, there's a lot of required training going into that, and they are investing a good deal of money and um, into you in terms of your training. So whenever, you know, after you conduct that training, just know that you're going to be going overseas for at least the first 10 years of your career. And I think even though they tell you that whenever you are going through the recruitment process, it still sometimes comes as a shock to a lot of officers that they are going to have to leave their families, their friends, and live overseas for a large um, a large part of their careers and, and their lives. And you have to really be ready and willing to sign up for that type of life and be okay with handing over a lot of control um, in your life to um, the CIA. And I think that's hard for a lot of people because you could be, you know, directed to go on one PCS, you know, one overseas um, tour. And then at the last minute, you're at the airport, all your kids are there, you're packed up, ready to go to Spain. And they say, oh, no, we need you in France, or we need you in Africa or whatever. And that can be really disheartening for a lot of people. And I know that, a, you know, a lot of good friends of mine have left for those reasons, because they just, they didn't feel comfortable with giving up that level of control over their lives. And, um, you know, what direction it took. So I would say, you know, that's another key take takeaway that I learned, um, you know, being a young person um, in the intelligence community is, you know, just all the, the management of stress, knowing you don't have control over your career completely. Yeah. So I would say that those are some of the key things I would say. Very well said. As some of our audience knows, I spent a career in the Middle East and did a lot of overseas tours. And particularly once I was a chief of station, I really tried to keep an eye on families to make sure everybody was doing okay. I also advised everybody with me to really spend some quality time away from the work, you know, right. to get out of the country, get out of the region, go do something that was purely recreational to, to really decompress and de-stress. And uh, so you could come back and do it again later on. Right, right. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. The name of the book is The Syndicate Spy. It is a fast-paced, romantic spy thriller, and it's worth your attention. I want to thank Brittany Butler for a very interesting conversation. Thank you so much for having me. 